Welcome to a new episode of Whiplash Agile, where we focus on the failures that are necessary to be successful on an agile journey, because there are always valuable lessons to be learned from someone else's struggles and stumbles. I'm Jeff Anderson, your host and CEO of Agile by Design. Welcome everybody to our next episode of Whiplash Agile. Uh, today, I'm, I'm really privileged to have a special guest, Colleen Johnson. Uh, I met Colleen Johnson a little over five years ago, I think which is kind of scary to think because I, I consider Colleen Johnson to be one of the more recent agile enthusiasts that I've met. It turns out we've actually known each other for quite some time. Colleen is, I would call you one of these like awesome, not only agile advocates, but sort of agile inclusivity advocates. You, you've been trying, you've been working really hard to make the community more inclusive, more diverse. You've tried to, uh, you, you've put a lot of horsepower to be trying to increase the applicability and the awareness. So uh, I'm really privileged to have you. Welcome aboard. Thanks so much, Jeff. I'm excited to be here. I think it's actually been longer than five years, and I can only say that with some confidence because my youngest is five, and I was definitely not pregnant when we met at, I think, one of the conferences we were at together. So I have to like benchmark everything in my life by pregnancy. So I think it's been well over five years at this point. Thank God for kids or else I think we, at least I would lose all sense of time, basically. Yeah, that's how it feels. Everything's either like two years or 10 years. There's nothing in the middle. Right. So Colleen, um, why don't we just start with what drew you to this space in the first place and, and what keeps you here? Well, so we launched ProConvon in October of 2020. And I think it was honestly a long time in the making, right? There were a lot of folks coming together saying it's time to try to build something that looks and feels different in the community. And, you know, I think when we think there's a lot of there's a lot of communities, there's a lot of learning opportunity in the agile world. Um, but I think a lot of it tends to be really dominated by a lot of ego. And I've been in technology now for almost 25 years. And I remember being new at this. Right. I remember being new in some of those spaces and being afraid to ask a question and have somebody be like, that's fucking stupid or being afraid to ask, um, you know, ask for clarification on, on practices or things that I didn't fully understand because you're you're worried somebody is going to jump all over you and be like, you're an idiot. And so when we started talking about how to create a, a, a better community, that was really at the forefront of it is how do we make a space where people feel safe joining? whether you've been at this for 30 years or three months, and that you could come and learn and have access to resources and access to brilliant people who are willing to jump in and help you learn along the way. What was that watershed moment where you really said, okay, and you don't have to be specific or you can if you want, we're all a little drama, you know, keeps the, 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 the listeners interested. Was there any watershed moment that's, that caused you to say, okay, we need to do this or get, I think Daniel Vaconti as well or whoever said, okay, it's time to kind of go at it. I mean, because the interesting thing, it's like, Kanban is, is a bit of a fractional group within a larger body. And then the decision to even kind of like go with another piece probably wasn't taken lightly. So I was just curious if there's any watershed moment. Yeah, I mean, um, when Dan first approached me to to take on this role, I was like, no, I don't like I don't want that responsibility right now. It's a lot of responsibility. And it was the middle of COVID. Being the CEO of uh, ProConban, that is. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I'm I don't you know, why me? There's plenty of other people. And we had some really good heart to heart conversations about why he felt like it needed to not be another old white guy in his words. <laughs> 
and that it was important to him that we have people who are thinking about things from a different perspective. And and it, my, you know, I, I was working on a different startup at that time. And it took me a little while to, I think, get to the point where I was like, you know what, this this is important and this does matter. And it kind of brought all of my different passions together in terms of, like you said, building an inclusive learning community and an inclusive space where we're lifting other people up and creating those opportunities for them to step in. But it's also Kanban, like you said, which is very niche. There's not a lot of people that understand Kanban. And it's always been a passion of mine to try to bring Kanban to more people in a way that's practical and simple and easy to implement because I think the benefits are so vast and some of the practices are so like such small tweaks to what you're already doing that you can get so much out of them that I was finally like, you know what? I have to go try this. I have to try, right? So it was a lot of Dan badgering me mostly. I mean, it's funny. Like I have two comments on, on that. One, um, I try to be as methodology and method agnostic as I can be because there's just so much out there for people to try and there's so much method bandwagging. But Kanban still, because of its open-endedness and its flexibility, it feels more like method infrastructure and it's really it's really hard to step away from it there's maybe been a few use cases where i'm like okay forget about kanban but it's pretty real i have to say so i i get the appeal the other question i have is um you know you commented on like old old kind of like white guys you know and so that kind of like that reminds me of the agile manifesto and and all the original signatories i don't think that was necessarily intended but a very small segment of the population from, you know, like from a segmenting sort of perspective and, and a background perspective. Um, do you feel like that's influenced the agile community in the beginning? And, and how do you see that change over time? Well, I think it's, you know, it's kind of a symptom of a probably a much greater thing than just in the agile community. It's everywhere, right? Tech was the same way for a long time. And I think there's been big efforts across not just technology, but all different um, industries to try to create more diversity and inclusion. But I have to really give some credit here to Steve Porter, who was at one point with Scrum.org because he was really the one that said to me very early on in building out our trainer community that, hey, if you don't do something different, it's going to be a lot harder to fix a diversity problem when you have 400 trainers than when you have 40. So we started thinking about like, how what could we do? What can we do that's different, right? That's not just like, hey, we value diversity. Cool, guys. That's great. Make some stickers, like whatever. <laughs> so I mean, that's not all you have to do. I, I was hoping we could stop at stickers. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Stickers are plenty. Um, no. So we said like, what what could we do that's different? That's actually kind of putting our money where our mouths are and and trying to make this community look and feel different. And so um, we launched a Women in Kanban Scholarship Program to help women become trainers. And so it, it puts them through our courses. It has a bunch of mentoring programs where we work with them on um, becoming great trainers, how to kind of set up your own business. I mean, for a lot of women, especially if you're trying to kind of straddle parenting and be, you know, hopping in and out of the workforce as a new mother. So what we wanted to do is set up a way to help them build their brand, support them in speaking and writing and figuring out how, you know, at some point, if you are interested in becoming an independent coach and trainer, we'll help you on that journey. We'll help you build up your your brand and your career. And man, that has been the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my career. Um, we're on our third cohort right now. And that cohort's um, entirely in Spanish, which was also, uh, you know, a kind of a failure that we learned from that we said, okay, if we're really going to focus on inclusion, we can't have every one of these programs run only in English. Um, but we're seeing amazing women come through that program. And I think my favorite part is that uh, they they tend to um, support each other long after the they graduate and become trainers. They they co teach together. I see people posting things about job changes or see, you know. So it's it's building a really great community of support for these women. 
And how do you get people involved to to help them through? Do you have volunteers spending some of their time? Is it it's part of your trainers who have done it already? All of the above? Yep, all of the above. So we have um, trainers in the community who volunteer their time, and especially with this Spanish speaking cohort, we've we've had to lean heavily on the trainers. I can I can like order a drink at the bar in Spanish, but I can't talk about flow metrics in Spanish. So we had to definitely pull some some help in for this one, but it's all volunteer based. And so it's a lot of kind of giving back. And that's one of the questions we ask in our application process is how would you pay this opportunity forward? That's amazing. And have you had some graduates come through the program now either shift the way they're working or apply their work in different places? Like I'd love to hear, I'm sure lots of people love to hear about these results. These, I, I just find these kinds of stories amazing. Yeah, I would say that the first thing is um, we've learned through the program that we can't just throw a bunch of like, here's a class, here's a test, let us know when you're done at everyone. That's, I mean, the class is a nice bonus, but what people really want is support through that learning journey and understanding what it means when I go post my first class. You know, I think this, it's a common misconception in any of these certification type programs that I'm going to get certified by you know, scrum.org, I'm going to post a class and 50 people are going to sign up and I'm going to walk away with 10 grand, right? Like that's not how it works. People buy classes from you as an individual. And so we spend a lot of time talking about how do you build up your reputation and your personal brand through writing and posting and videos and all these things so that when somebody goes, you know what, I don't get iterations anymore. I don't get story points anymore. But you know what, I saw Jeff post a bunch of stuff the other day about how you could forecast without story points. So I'm going to call him when I need a class. And that's what we're trying to help everybody build is build up that personal expertise. And that's funny that you mentioned, you know, a bit of, a bit of a side tangent. How have you found Given that what you're doing is a little bit more niche, it's not quite running in the same order that a lot of the agile community, I feel like, and maybe you, you might agree or disagree that more and more of the agile community is running in a bit more of a traditionalist sense. It's, it's kind of very machinistic, sort of like, let's roll out the next set of agile certificates. And what you're doing is both more organic in its approach, as well as, you know, the actual content. Um, you've mentioned uh, some help with others in the agile community. What, what's the reception been like overall, do you think? In the, in the rest of the Agile community? Well, you know, I think it depends. And I spent two minutes on LinkedIn and I think you'll find that there's a lot of fear right now. Um, it's very, it feels very hostile. And I think that's coming from a place of people have lost jobs. People feel their identities being very threatened by some of the things that are happening in the Agile space. So, you know, if I spent the last dozen years as a scrum master and an Agile coach and now I'm seeing everywhere that Agile's dead and, you know, all of this stuff. It's like the the responses to things feel very defensive and very hostile. Um, and so I, I think in some ways, um, we feel some of that coming up a little bit when we're trying to talk about how Kanban can be different. We try to really focus on how it's complementary, right? So you can add Kanban to your Scrum and you're probably already doing Kanban in some parts of SAFE. So how could we make all of that better with things like flow metrics? But I really think where we're headed kind of coming in the next three to five years here is that for all these organizations that are laying people off, whether it's a real financial decision or just an opportunity to cut fat, like I think what we're going to start to see here is we have to figure out how to do more with less people and do more with less overhead and less waste. And I think that's where Kanban's really going to come in. It's There's still rigor around the process and there's still um, a way to measure your results in the process, but there's just less overhead. And I think that part right there also just, it triggers people. I was just going to say, in a sense, Agile's become a bit of the new normal where every team has a scrum master and a product owner and sometimes half a coach plus, you know, and so the bloat hasn't necessarily gone away. It's just changed. And I guess if that's been your career for the night, it's almost like the old 
business systems analyst that people got worried about. That's, that's the next thing. With that in mind, is there, do you see things like Kanban being uh, something that dedicated roles primarily look for? Or are you trying to position it as, as sort of like something that should be part of, you know, existing people that are already doing things the way they do it and, and um, uh, try to make it a complementary skill set to a wide variety of people? Yeah, probably more the latter. You know, I think what we're starting to see for organizations that have let, let their scrum masters go or reduce staff, in some cases, scrum masters are now working with four or five teams. And I think that we can pick that apart and spend a half an hour talking about whether or not that's a good idea or a bad idea. But they need tools to be able to say, here's the thing that you're going to focus on as a team. And here's how I'm going to help you track the things that are the most important for you to be focused on right now and whether or not your team is improving. And I think that's where Kanban can be really powerful for those scrum masters and figuring out which team needs the most help, what small changes can I make, and then how do I go move on to the next team and give them some some homework, right? But I think more often right now, we're seeing that engineering managers and tech leads are the ones kind of left holding the bag as everybody's getting laid off. And they're the ones that have to figure out now, how do we keep a process moving forward? How do we keep this team accountable? And the funny part here is it's like, how do we build a self-managing team, which from an agile perspective, we've said we were doing all along, but I don't feel like we ever really did. You know, it was like, it's like there was always somebody there to tell you to pick up your socks. In a way, there's more management in some agile teams than there was before, if you think right? about it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think when we start to peel back some of the concepts in Kanban, really simple things like creating a service level expectation. So how long should our work take? Let's use our past cycle time data and figure out how long our work should take. And then now that we know that, we can have a conversation every day about what work on our board has aged past that reasonable amount. Just that one small thing gives the teams the ability to say, hey, Jeff, it looks like your ticket just hit 10 days and that's our service level expectation. Do you want help or should we split that story or what do we need to do to get that over the finish line today? It removes any personal piece of that, which can be hard, right? Like, I don't want to call you out, but I can say that ticket's too old. <laughs> um, and it gives the teams the ability to have that conversation without a scrum master there holding them you know, saying, okay, here's all the stuff that we need to talk about. Here's the stuff that's highest priority that the team has the visibility and the opportunity to have those conversations on their own. And I think that's simple and super powerful. Yeah, that, that's amazing. How would you, um, it sounds like you've got a, like a, a sense of simplicity uh, at the heart of what you're, what you're trying to do. Um, you know, I'm going to go back to that in a second. I apologize. I just wanted to ask one more question first, because you raised a really good point about the fear of people losing their jobs and getting laid off. And I think that's really powerful. Is there any advice you'd have to an agilist who's kind of out of work or about to be out of work around, you know, like I, obviously, yeah, we're in Kanban because, hey, that, that'll make you a ninja. But uh, yeah, on top of that, any advice you give to people that are kind of in that situation right now in terms of what should you think they'd look at next? Even before I would say go learn Kanban, I would say go learn flow metrics. Um, I think so many Scrum Masters do themselves a disservice by not understanding the data and being in a position where they can leverage data to tell a story about how their teams are working. And I think that's why so many, you know, so many organizations found that an easy role to get rid of because there's never been good justification for whether or not that role is providing value. And if you're tracking data and you're tracking metrics, you should be able to say, hey, I've gotten this team to a point where their flow metrics are very stable. And they're very predictable in their delivery. And now I'm ready to go work with another team. Um, but we've kind of left that part out of our roles a lot of the times. And I think that data tells a story that's, um, you know, it's not subjective anymore. And so th that 
feels like it's been missing from our entire industry for a long time. And it, and those those scales. Is it so the data, or is it the data plus kind of facilitating looking at the bottlenecks and helping the team improve the system, or? Do you think it's good enough to just like really get them focused on the data first? Or are you sort of packaging some of that other stuff there as well? I think they go hand in hand. Absolutely. So I think the data tells you where to focus. Um, and I think, that, you know, a lot of times I, I, I see new scrum masters like fumbling through, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm running these retros and I'm going through all of these events and ceremonies. And I don't really know if I'm doing the right thing or if any of this stuff is helping the team. And I think that's where um, so the flow metrics, there's four, right? It's cycle time, throughput, work in progress and work item age. And it's like track those four things and you'll be able to see where your team needs help and what what things you should be focusing on to help them. And, you know, I think the last part there is whether or not you can go help with a different team. So, I, you know, we always talk about whether or not we should be working ourselves out of a job. The answer is yes, like 100%. This was never supposed to be, in, in my opinion, a role where you were a scrum master for a team for five years. Like, I think if that's what's going on, you need to... <laughs> Maybe ask yourself if you've created a little bit more of a dependency than a support system. And um, I think those metrics can help you see, like I said, if, if things are stable, if delivery is predictable, I, am I at a point now where I can go work with a different team in the organization? I love that. So if I already summarize some of your advice, for those of you that are out of a job or are afraid of being out of a job, try harder to be out of a job and you'll make yourself more invaluable. You know, like teach so. the team to do what you're doing, right? Yeah. 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 Give a man a fist. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's always been what I've tried to do is fire myself. And then I've always found more interesting stuff to do. That, that That's great advice. <laughs> I'm now going to go back to ProCanban, that earlier question that I had for you. And I feel like you have a uh, the, the movement, uh, the community has a, a value around simplicity that others try to get to, but you have successfully done. If you were to contrast that or other values, either with the more mainstream Kanban community or the larger agile kind of movement at large, like, how would you differentiate, not to be contrarian, but just different yourselves? Like, what are you adding to the mix? Um, I think that simplicity is a really big part of it. And so when we teach our classes, we try to always end the classes with, you know, what is one thing you could put into practice right away or one thing you could change with your with the way your team is working right away. We try to make it all very approachable, very practical. We use that word applying in all of our classes because if you want to take the certification assessments, great. And it's a great way to validate your learning. But I honestly care a lot more that you're going to walk out of that class and have something practical to apply than whether or not you pass those assessments, because that's that's what matters, right? That's why you're there. And so um, we try to keep it all very focused on um, what you can put into practice immediately at, at every level. So we teach um, the team level Kanban class. We have a scaling Kanban class. We also have a class around applying metrics for predictability, which is probably my favorite class. You know, I think I, I had taught... Uh, Unfortunately, I had taught Monte Carlo simulations wrong, I think, most of my career until we worked on that class. And um, we build in that course, we build out a Monte Carlo and a spreadsheet um, by hand. Now I'm worried. Have I been doing it wrong, too? Like, maybe the answer is yes. You know, I feel like I, I don't know. <laughs> Come take the class. No, but it's um, it's great because it's like it's something I hope you never have to do to build these out manually. But when you do it once and you go, oh, so this is how it works, you start to understand what the data is doing behind the scenes, right? It's great to be able to just run a tool and have it spit all this data out for you. But building it this way, you're like, okay, now I understand what it's doing. I can explain this to stakeholders now in a way that's telling them, you know, if you don't like the output, if this number is not what you like, here's what has to look different in order to improve that number. Um, and so I, that class uh, around the metrics for predictability has been 
really great for, I would say, people even outside of what we think of as traditional like scrum master and coaching roles. We see engineering managers and that one, developers. Um, we just had an entire consulting org send all of their folks through it because they wanted to be able to leverage that style of communicating risk and forecast with their customers. Amazing. That's awesome. I mean, I think what our folks did is we stole Troy McGinnis's spreadsheet, but we did reverse engineer it so that we knew what we were talking about. So we cheated a little bit, but it sounds like some of, of the folks at Agile by Design could benefit from that class. So I might, uh, I might get you up on that. Yeah, afterwards. come on yeah. over. <laughs> you know, join the join the Pro Kanban crew. That's very cool. If you were to describe, you know, what do you feel is important for increasing autonomy, safety, you know, self-organization from a principal's perspective, with either within Pro Kanban or out, like what are some of the things that you tell folks? Assuming that I'm sure you get asked these types of questions all the time. So love to hear uh, how you answer them. Yeah. Well, our code of conduct is don't be an asshole, be excellent to each other. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, the first part feels kind of obvious, but I think the second part is the really the meat of it there for us of how do we support each other? And, you know, I, I think one of the things, maybe one of the better things that came out of the pandemic and that I continue to see everywhere in social media is um, taking a step back and understanding that we never know, what, especially when we're all on camera like this all day, we never know what's going on for another person on the other side of that camera. And so how can we be there to support each other and pause for a minute and say, you know, it seems like maybe you're struggling with this part. What can I do to support you? What, what do you need right now? And that kind of community building to me goes like far above and beyond scholarships and training and free learning resources, right? That's getting to know each other. Um, and so I think we've created all these opportunities in our Slack community. We've got over a thousand people in our Slack community now where you see these great conversations happening and then you'll see somebody follow back up, you know, to say, hey, Jeff, I know you were going to try this Monte Carlo simulation out with your team at Agile by Design. How's it going? Right. Those those kind of connections, like real genuine connections, I think, are what built a strong community that at the end of the day, it's it's not even about Kanban anymore. Right. It's just about supporting other people. Fantastic. And I love it. You just came up with the simplest, most, probably, I think, the most effective uh, response, at least to me. That I personally have been moving from like trying to be an agile nerd to just trying to figure out how to just get on well with others and help them. And it's, it's, a, it's an interesting journey, but it's, it's, I love the, how elegantly you sort of stated that. What is exciting you the most these days and, and what do you want to share? Is there anything you specifically want to share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited right now about the opportunity to help a lot of these these companies where it maybe feels a little hopeless. You know, I think it does. There's a lot of frustration like we were just talking about. I think people feel threatened. Um, I think people feel desperate right now trying a job hunt. And I think trying to offer people a different way of getting to agility and that maybe a simpler way, maybe it's not, maybe it's maybe you know Kanban and this is just stripping it down to its bare bones, or maybe you've never even heard of Kanban. But I think for so many people out there, it's like Agile's dead and Scrum is, you know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. very doomsday. It's all over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, how do we bring a little bit of a of hope to folks and and that connection, that people connection to say, hey, there's another way of working that you could try. And here's some simple ways to get started. Um, here's a whole community of people willing to support you on that learning journey. And so I think that I would say just trying to bring some hope right now is one of the things I'm excited about for the new year. We have a bunch of different events planned over the course of 2024. We just got out of our planning session to figure out where we plan to be in person, hoping Toronto is going to be on the list oh, at some amazing. point. 
I'll have to pick your brain about that later. Yeah. Um, but we're trying to get a bunch of our in-person events planned for the year. And, you know, those are the places where you build those face-to-face connections with people. So I'm excited about that. Um, we'll be back at Scrum Day London in June and hopefully back at Agile in Africa again in October. So we've got a bunch of great, great events planned and continuing to build up the community and build up the opportunities for new people to step in. I love it. Fostering hope in the Agile community. That's that's a, what a, an amazing goal. Uh, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, but I definitely encourage everybody to check out ProConban.org and under the About Us tab, you'll find a link to join our Slack community. It's definitely where I'm the most responsive. And, you know, I think everybody starts out a little bit as a lurker, but I encourage you to jump in, introduce yourself, ask questions. That's what it's for. And um, we have a best of channel in there where folks in the community will tag some of the best questions or the best threads that get going. That's a great place to go. Just start to look through some of the conversations that have happened in the past. Um, it's everything from how the hell do I get my data out of JIRA to why don't you recommend classes of service? So all different kinds of conversations are taking place in there. And it's a great place just to connect and maybe meet, meet a new community. I keep wanting to dig into these like super deep detailed Kanban related things, but I'm, I'm going to desist and save for a private conversation, I think. But uh, thank you so much, Colleen. This is, I expected this to be amazing, but you still managed to blow away my expectations with all the heart and just support and, and empathy you bring to the Agile community. Oh, thank it's, you. It's really appreciated. I appreciate that. Thanks again for joining me on Whiplash Agile. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a single episode. If you want to connect with me, join me on LinkedIn or Twitter slash X. And if you like what you hear, or especially if you don't like what you hear, Get in touch with me directly at agilebydesign.com.